This podcast brings to you my life, my journey, and the inspiring stories of so many I've encountered from around the world. I am Devon Malcolm Brewster, and you're listening to Groove. Hey guys, it's your boy Malcolm and I am back again with the second episode of the Brood Podcast. I really hope that you had a wonderful week and that it was enlightened a little bit by listening to the first episode of the Brood Podcast. If you haven't listened yet, then you can go to dmbooster.com or any of the most popular podcast platforms and have a listen. So today we have two guests, our first guests on the Brood podcast. We have Narisha Komada out of Dominica. We also have Kiran Gopal out of India. They are both medical students and we're going to talk about the journey to medical school, what the experience has been like thus far and how the coronavirus pandemic has shaken up things and how they decided to learn something from the experience. I am looking forward to this episode and I hope that you are too. Remember to like, share, subscribe and let others know of this wonderful podcast called Brood. So stay tuned. Narisha Commodore is a third-year medical student at the Boston University School of Medicine and she has a passion for preventative care, mentoring and research. She was born in the Commonwealth of Dominica and migrated to St. Thomas, U.S. Virgin Islands as a teenager where she completed her high school and undergraduate studies. In her free time, she enjoys a good book, 90s sitcoms, uh, choral singing, and trying new recipes. Let's welcome Nairisha Commodore. So tell us about you, Nairisha, uh, anything that you would like the audience to know. Okay, so my name is Nairisha Commodore. I am originally from Tetmon, Dominica, and I lived, <laughs> I lived in Dominica up until I was 14. And then I migrated to St. Thomas, U.S. Virgin Islands with my family. I was halfway through third form. And so I did half of high school at the Dominica Grammar School. And then I graduated um, from Yavana Idurakin High School in St. Thomas. So why medicine? Why do you want to become a doctor? So I didn't always want to. I guess the desire came in July of 2012. I had a high school teacher, a mentor from the Dominica Grammar School, who had been a family friend. She had breast cancer. She was in remission during the time that I was at DGS. And shortly after we, my family migrated, we learned that she wasn't doing too well. And then kind of like within days of hearing that, she passed. And we learned that she had um, metastatic lung cancer. And that really... It really um, shook me and it wasn't, I wouldn't say that's my only experience with people, um, family or friends having cancer, but for some reason, that experience kind of led me to an oncology in general. So I wanted to work with cancer patients, not as a doctor actually, as a social worker. I just wanted to help families during um, that difficult time. And at the time I was in my last year of high school, I had a pre-calculus teacher who for some reason just took an interest in me and 
he asked me like what I wanted to do, what what I was applying for for college, and I told him psychology, and he was like, "What? <laughs> Why?" <laughs> I was, and I was offended, but I was like, "Okay, what what do you mean by that?" And he's like, "No, you. I feel like you are very good at the sciences. I know you like um, science and math. So why are you choosing, you know, social science?" Um, so long story short, like that kind of led me to explore the STEM field and I ended up going to the University of the Virgin Islands and doing a bachelor's in biology. Really liked it. It kind of combined my love for learning and being challenged. Eventually, I actually applied to medical school during my second year of undergrad and normally you would apply at the end of your four years, but I did an early selection program um, that Boston University has with the school that I went to. And so that's essentially how I ended up in Boston. I probably wouldn't have chosen <laughs> that path directly, but the opportunity was there and I took it. Okay, so you got the opportunity to go to Boston University School of Medicine. What was it like transitioning from a little island, a speck in the Caribbean, and going to mainland USA, a big country, a lot of opportunities, a lot of new scenery, new people, new experiences. What was that like? It was very hard. And honestly, it was not applying to med school as, I mean, at the time I was 18. I don't think I had really given a lot of thought, like just being so far away from family. I didn't really, that wasn't really a factor for me when I chose where I wanted to go to school. And so the way that that program worked, I actually did my last year of undergrad in Boston as a way to, um, you know, acclimatize to the environment, you know, coming from an island to big city and the different weather. So the program that I applied to is specifically geared to increase minority students in medicine. And so one way that, um, they kind of encourage that is having you do your senior year kind of like an exchange program in Boston at the undergrad campus affiliated with the medical school. You do core classes, so biochemistry and um, histology, pathology to kind of get a feel as to what the pace of the science courses will be like at the med school. And then you start your first year of medical school uh, once you've completed that year. So it was kind of like a pre-med intro kind of thing. Right, right. And so that was in 2017. So later 2017. And that also happened to be, so my first semester, first time leaving away for that period of time away from family, was also the year that Irma and Maria hit um, and St. Thomas, both of the places that I have called home and affecting all of my family across the board. So that was really difficult being in a new place and not really having, I mean, I could talk to my family, but just not as much due to the different, um, you know, what happened on both islands. And so that was very difficult, uh, but it, I got through it and I think it helped me grow and um, prepared to start my first year uh, as a medical student in 2018. Understood. So you got to BUSM. What has the experience been like for you? So it's been, it's been great, I would say. I think 
it, there's definitely been a culture shock even if like just coming from dominica to st thomas there was a culture shock st thomas to boston there was a culture shock but i think my experiences have really taught me to adapt there's a, an organization called uh, student national medical association and so for the first two years of med school i served as a liaison to the undergraduate programs kind of serving as a mentor and connecting students who are interested in medicine to um, current medical students uh, organizing panels and stuff like that and so i really enjoyed that i am also a part of the christian group here at school so everything was going good uh, did you watch avatar the last airbender going up <laughs> a bit yes <laughs> yeah I did. It was one of my favorite shows. And, you know, in the intro, there's a part that says, and everything changed when the Fire Nation attack, right? <laughs> um, when I think of the pandemic, that's kind of like how I think of it. Everything changed when the pandemic, when COVID-19 struck. So what has that been like for you as a student away from home in a foreign land by yourself? It started off really rough. Well, the way the, I guess, the U.S. medical education system after your first two years you take your first uh board exam and so in march i was gearing up to start a like about a six week period of intense studying to take my board exam in may and basically the shutdown in the u.s started when that began and so all of my well, I had plans, you know, to study with friends, you know, keep each other motivated because it's a very difficult period. Um, all of that kind of went up in flames. Uh, friends went home and I basically spent about three months alone in my apartment kind of studying at 12 hours a day. So it was very, it was a very lonely time. It was difficult, but friends really supported me during that time. Wonderful, wonderful. So in that experience, can you think of any benefits that you would have derived from the experience of the COVID-19 pandemic? I think it highlighted uh, relationships in my life that, I guess it improved the relationships in my life that were God-filled. So friends who were able to encourage me in scripture. I had a group of friends who would FaceTime with me after watching service on a Sunday just to check in. Um, so I was able to build a lot of community that way. And then in general, I just learned that disappointments are inevitable in life, not just during COVID, but I mean, there were a lot of plans that I had for 2020 that the whole pandemic uprooted, but I learned that discouragement is a choice. You can, um, in every circumstance life throws at you, you have a decision whether or not you're going to let it break you down or you're going to grow from it. And I think the earlier you realize that being discouraged is a choice, um, the better it is for you, you can change your perspective and really gain from that experience. Awesome. I do agree. So uh, as we wrap up this segment, uh, what advice would you give to students who are grappling like you and I <laughs> um, with the COVID-19 pandemic? Um, well, one, I would say if you have a relationship with God, um, prayer is the first thing. Um, asking God to um, give you that peace. I would recommend Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 to 7. 
which was really helpful to me during this time, just talking about how the peace of God, the peace that God can give you that surpasses human understanding and really resting your, giving your anxieties and burdens to him. Not isolating yourself in this time is important. Reaching out to your friends virtually um, to try and keep yourself surrounded and encouraged is important. And I felt that that really helped me. And in terms of just being in one place for one for a long period of time, I figured out that I I became a stress cleaner. And so I when I was tired of just sitting around, I would clean my room and rearrange stuff. So probably that can help more rearrange your furniture if you're able to um, you trick your mind into thinking that your environment is different and just make do with what you have. I would say to that. And also try to keep active. I think just sitting around all day it's not good for you health-wise um so if you're able to i don't know do at-home workouts or daily walks you know with appropriate social distancing i think being outside and in nature is helpful well thank you so much narisha um for joining me it means a lot <laughs> you know we go way back we go way way back and you know I wish you all the best in your future endeavors and I look forward to having you back with us at Brood Podcast sometime in the future. Thank you and thanks for having me. No problem. We'll be right back. You are about to hear a strange but true story. Legend has it Harry Houdini, the master magician, once claimed that he could break out of any jail cell in the world. All he had to do was walk into that jail cell with his street clothes on. I'll be out of there in one hour, no problem, he said. Well, a very old jail down south heard about Houdini's claims and they accepted his challenge. On the day of the event, many people gathered outside. Very confidently, Houdini walked right into the jail and into the cell, and they shut the metal doors behind him. The first thing Houdini did was he took off his coat. Then, very strangely, he took off his belt. Secretly hidden in Houdini's belt was a 10-inch piece of steel, very tough and very flexible, and Houdini started working. In about 30 minutes, that confident expression Houdini had when he walked in disappeared. In one hour, he was bathed in sweat, and at the end of two hours, Houdini in defeat collapsed against the door, which then opened. It opened because you see, that door had never been locked. But that's not entirely true, is it? That door was locked. It was firmly and thoroughly locked in Houdini's mind, which meant it was locked as if the best locksmith in the world had put his lock on it. The mind is powerful. 
How many doors in your life do you think are locked but aren't? How many times have you been stuck in the mental prison of overthinking? Something that really had a simple solution. There is an ancient African proverb that says, when there is no enemy within, the enemy outside can do us no harm. Your mind is the most powerful force you will ever face. It will tell you lies. It will tell you, you can't do that. You're not meant for that. You're not good enough for that. You can't go on anymore. You don't have the energy. You must thank it for its opinion and carry on. Because like Houdini showed us, the only locked doors that exist are in your own mind. The doors in reality are open. And all you have to do is walk through. Kiran Gopal is a 22-year-old young man from India who is a medical student at the Spartan Health Sciences University in St. Lucia. He is currently on his clinical rotations at the University of the West Indies Mona campus and he enjoys the company of wonderful people. We are glad to have Kiran Gopal. So Kiran, welcome to the Brood Podcast. Uh, tell us anything about you, anything that you would like the audience to know. So, hello again. Uh, my name is Kiran Gopal. So I'm a just turned 22 year old medical student here in University of West Indies. Um, I mean, eventually with my accent, you already know that um, I'm from India. And yeah, that's it, nothing much about myself. <laughs> okay, so why medicine? Why do you wanna be a doctor? Why did you choose to embark on this very difficult journey? When I was a kid, you know, like, the passion thingy everybody has, I mean, everybody would have. So I always, you know, like to help people, like, uh, like you know, still there is poverty around the world, right? So I always wanted everybody to uh, satisfy their needs. Like, you know, I have to keep helping people a lot, keep helping, keep helping, keep helping. Plus, even my mom, always my mom used to say, you know, you should, uh, you should be a doctor, you know, always uh, people like next to God, they would kind of, they would keep doctor as a next god you know you should become a doctor you know it would be really good for you and all those things so it, it was just deep inside me you know i have to be a doctor i have to be a doctor okay so you are a student of the spartan health sciences university in saint lucia how did you get to saint lucia all the way from india how did you find out about it what we would do back home is that uh, we would look options outside india like uh, in philippines russia and uh, in Caribbean side as well. So I was, I got to know through my father's friend, like, you know, they were have, they were having, uh, like, receiving an ad, like, okay, oh, Kiran can attend this, and he can see, like, uh, some people are talking about uh, some hospital, I mean, some universities in the, in the Caribbean islands. Like, I had no idea, honestly, there were, there was places like this, but when I was high school, I know, you know, in West Indies, I know there is something called West Indies, but I don't know there were people here, there were these people there. Uh, I don't even know. St. Lucia. Honestly, I don't know there was a plan. St. Lucia, Trinidad, Jamaica, boom. I don't even know anything, but I know St. Paul. 
so that's how i came to know about uh, saint lucia but when when they showed me the options you know, i was kind of like oh dad you know philippines is a bit cheaper we're not there he was like it's not about uh, the expenses you know it's about uh, the school and stuff so you know there is spartan had like you know like spartan as you know as we all know it's a um, offshore us medical school so it's basically we follow the us things and uh, like the curriculum it would be based on the us uh, the main aim would be like after finishing the school there we would have to go to the us and you know take usmle exams and so on so my dad really right, like that option he got it much better so that's how i ended up in okay So Spartan Health Sciences University is an offshore uh, US medical school and so uh, they usually encourage you to do US MLE exams which has more than one steps and for those who don't know that's basically the medicine licensing exam for the United States and I think you mentioned before that you attempted the US MLE step 1 uh, in St. Lucia so ideally uh, in US medical school like us assembly step one they would take after finishing preclin or basic science so before like you know in our school they would recommend us to take us assembly step one plus we have options to do our clinicals in the us or in university of west indies jamaica so to come to jamaica it is not necessary for step i don't know that they change it like for us they had an option like that but if you have to go to the us you have to do your step exam so even though i wanted to come here in jamaica i always wanted to take my step exam and then start my rotations right so after finishing in april 2018 <laughs> um you know i was started i was starting step preparation so that's that's where the hard time started right my friends i was studying with a set of 14 students like they are from india as well super smart So you know, like most of them, they took the step exam really fast. By the same year, like within two three months after finishing the preclin, and it's been good. They were moving on, but to me, you know, before taking the step exam, we had to pass some other exam. So only then you will be approved to take the step exam. I took almost a year to pass the exam. It was so hard. Aww. So the passing score would be sixty eight because it's out of hundred. It's a five hour exam. Right. So it would be similar to passing score of USMLE. So only then your school would approve that okay, you are eligible to take a USMLE exam. So I've been taking it, you know, like I failed with three points, two points. There was a time I failed with one point, and I was, like, you know, I was working so hard. I was down, up, down, up, down. Then finally, like by end of August, like during August month, I actually applied for step exam. I took the exam again for the. You know the the qualification exam for my school, and I passed it. And uh, I came like like whenever you have to start rotations in Dubai, you have to start it in the month of September. And September fifteenth, I left Saint Lucia, come here, and I started my rotations. And in two weeks, we started my we started our rotation. And because in every three Wednesdays, like like in next three Wednesdays, you will get your uh, exam score. And like when I started my rotation and my second day and third day Wednesday, I got a mail and a call from my dean saying that oh you passed and I was like, oh. it was okay. You know I had I didn't had a you know much uh, enough motivation and all those things because I've been I've been far from my family like since twenty sixteen, 
I haven't met my family. I haven't been traveling. I haven't gone back home. So it's been you know it was it, it it was a rough time, you know. Yeah. So I finally did it. I was happy, and Medin was happy too. Even though after taking exams so many times, you did not give up, and you took it one time. I literally took exam like nine times, like the qualification exam. <laughs> It's bad. I never give up. You know, like each time I fail, I mean, you know, like sometimes you fail with two points. Like I feel like, okay, God, it, there, there should be a reason why you did that. Okay, so it was about the time now to uh, choose where you're gonna go for your clinical uh, training, and you did, you chose. So it was around that time when you needed to choose uh, where you wanted to go for your clinical training, and you chose Jamaica. What was it like when you came here and started it off? My first rotation I started. It was in KPH, you know, in <laughs> So. No, I'm a medical student. After this, like one year, like after writing separate exams, like, okay, clinical rotations, finally, boom, boom. I went to the hospital. Yo. I haven't been big, I haven't gone to any big, big hospitals back home. Like, uh, I only have been to my, like, family physician, like, a couple of times. You know, like, back home. It's a big hospital, and it's a government public hospital, right? I, it was a breathtaking moment. I was just, I was just like paused for a moment. I was just looking around. What is this place? How I come? But then eventually, you know, it's not about the place, right? Like it's about how your colleagues are, how how you are, how you are doing in 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 that place and stuff, right? Like, plus, people over here, like I'm living on hall, so I got to make a lot of friends, and they, they were they were really nice. Except the you know they had a hard time understanding my accent. And still they do, <laughs> but otherwise it, it was good, you know. And uh, it's entirely different from Saint Lucia, like at some at some aspects, you know. So it was good. It was it was good, I, and I was happy, really, you know. That's good to hear. Mm-hmm. So um, everything was going good, as it I mean, it sounds that way. Everything was going really good until the coronavirus pandemic and the coronavirus disease made landfall in Jamaica. I mean. Uh, schools got cancelled, people started to go home, but how was that for you? I mean, you didn't get to go home, right? So what happened is, um, pre-COVID, like before COVID, actually, my dad, he works outside India. So he is, he was also in India at that point, at that period, right? So I still remember <laughs> when they closed our schools, like all our friends had a mind of traveling back. You know, even I think you should know Paul Bert, my friend. He's from St. Lucia. So he was planning to travel. So he traveled as well, actually. He traveled fast. And in my mind, I was like, you know, it's COVID. And it would be a really good opportunity for me to see my parents after this three long years. So I had the guts to ask my parents that, well, I have to try. Can I come back home? Like, what do you all think about it? Oh boy, that night was the worst night of my life after coming to UV. You know, we had a big argument going on. Like my dad was like, a, you know, I don't know. Is it like because of financial Aww. issues or big safety issue? And they were also upset and uh, like, oh, I cried like so much that night. 
Because they told no, they told no, you cannot come here, stay there. And my dad was like, prepare for step two. I was like, hey, how how can he say that? I mean, there's still time for it. But, you know, but in my mind, I was like, you know, it was an opportunity to meet my family and stuff like that. But, you know, that's when there was like so much uh, peak in cases and stuff like that. But they were concerned about me. So, so they were like, you know, it's better you stay there. Uh, that would be good for you. But I was really upset because... Um, Right, you just wanted to take the opportunity. You saw it as an opportunity and you wanted to, you know, take the time to go home. I mean, after three years uh, without seeing your family, I, I, I do understand. Yeah, so I, I asked, like, you know, but then uh, later on I understood that, you know, yes, I'm a person who, who always thinks that no matter what, it always happens for a reason. And that's what happened. Like, after a month, they started something called online lectures. And... In India, if I, if I tell you, like right now in Jamaica, it's 6.35. Like in India, it's almost uh, three something in the morning, I guess, like 10 hours ahead. So I was thinking that if I was in India, it would have been really hard for me to attend the lectures and actually do the exams. Plus, what if this all of a sudden say that we can start all uh, the hospitals and students can enroll in all those things and stuff. I was like, okay, you know, it's 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 it happened for it happened for a reason, so I'm okay with it and let it go. So, did you get any assistance from the school, guild, businesses, government, anybody at all? I mean, yeah, they they always, you know, like in our heart as well, like they always said that, you know, they they would help people, like they were doing stuff for people who were in need. But I wasn't reaching, like I didn't reach that point. Like, I was okay. My, my, fa- my family was still helping me, you know? Like, I was okay. Uh, like, we were helping, you know, like, a lot of people outside, like, my friends, like some of our some of our colleagues. Uh, and uh, in our school, I don't know if you remember, like, someone called Miss Little. She personally, she always, she always check on me, you know? She still uh-huh. checks on me. She would ask, are you doing okay? Like, she, she sometimes brings stuff for me, you know? Like, she was really, like, you know, like, yeah. Really, like, they're still, she's still close, you know, she still talks to me and uh, it was really supportive, you know, at least, uh, you know, in talking and somebody, like, you know, when you know that even though you're far from home, there is someone there to hear you or if something happens to you, they would be there for you. Like, I was really blessed and happy. Right. I can I can relate, you know, I mean, you know, you're so many miles away from home, you're missing home, you want to go home, but you can't. Uh, but the, the love and care that you get from the people here makes it, you know, much easier to cope with the reality um, by them making you feel much uh, at home. Exactly. Even though you're not exactly. at home. <laughs> Thank you very much, Kiran, for sharing with us on the Brood podcast. And I wish you all the best in your future endeavors. And yes. <laughs> So that's it, guys. You've heard from Nairisha Commodore as well as Kiran Gopal. And, you know, I am really inspired by their tenacity and their determination to persevere despite the challenges brought on by the coronavirus pandemic. You know, one thing that I found that was common between the two of them is that they both 
expressed uh, their appreciation for the support that they received during these trying times. And I think it's really a call to each and every one of us to, you know, check upon each other during this COVID-19 pandemic, which can be very lonely, especially for students who are unable to go home. And in addition to that, uh, despite the negative effects of the pandemic, they both saw a light at the end of the tunnel and took away something positive from the experience, you know? So that in and of itself is a lesson to us. So guys, this was another episode of The Brood Podcast. I really hope that you enjoyed and that you will listen to our episode next week. Don't forget to like, share and subscribe on the major podcast platforms. Follow us on Instagram at Brood Podcast, Facebook and Twitter. See you next week.